Hello, and welcome back to our extraordinary podcast. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And after a nice long hiatus, we're talking today about episode 207, Zoe's Extraordinary Memory, written by Emily Fox and directed by John Terleski. Before we dive in, why don't you read us the episode summary, Danny? IMDb doesn't have anything for this episode yet, so we had to get the summary from the Zoe's fandom wiki this time. It says, Zoe's effort to recreate a cherished memory with Mitch is thwarted by Leaf. Max and Mo have their big restaurant opening. I think it's like a little bit of an exaggeration to say it's thwarted by Leaf, but we, we'll get into I know, that. like it's like Leaf's fault, like... Yeah, he didn't. It's not his fault. It's Leaf is it's just there. Zoe's fault for not being yeah. open, <laughs> and also for like uh, for meddling. Right? Like she got herself into this I, mess. <laughs> I do love though that it's like Zoe is so her own worst enemy. Like consistently, always. Well, so let's let's start with our initial reactions. I really, really loved this episode. It felt like classic Zoe's to me, like season one Zoe's in a lot of ways. Solid mix of funny and poignant, focused on Zoe's relationship, relationships in general, but also like her relationship with her dad, but not just being like grief born. And there were a lot of nice lessons about friendship and maturity and, you know, like the trick isn't getting trying to get by without support of your friends. It's just making sure that you're supporting them too. God, I mean, there's that whole song about trying to get uh, by with a little help from my friends. (laughs) I'm surprised they haven't sung that song in the show, to be honest. I think it would probably be too expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But yeah, like, I I really appreciate that. And we talked last time, which feels like so many years ago, about how like a lot of the Max and Mo drama is starting to wear a little thin. And so this time we got to see them really in their element with the restaurant opening. And the only problems they encounter, one, are like problems that come from the outside, and two, are things that they work out as a team. Yeah, like I'm glad it's not a drama between them. Yes, save the drama for your llama. (laughs) Those are my impressions. What about you, Danny? What'd you think? I feel like, yeah, like I felt really similar. Like if it felt like more like kind of similar to like a season one vibe than a season two vibe, which now that I think about it, I was like, season two has felt really different. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously it's going to be very different considering (laughs) there's a whole last character that's not there anymore. Yeah. But yeah, like, I think I like, I really liked the episode. Like, I don't think I had any like major complaints about it or anything. Like it was fun. It went quickly, but not too quickly. Yeah. Solid episode of TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think one of the other things, like, this is goes kind of goes into the season one versus season two thing. Like, one thing I felt about this episode is that Zoe is finally starting to figure out how to, like, move past her grief, which isn't the same as, like, not grieving or, or like, fully moving on. But I felt like she has figured out how to, like, live with it and, like, still have a life. Yeah. And so much of the pacing this season has felt kind of weird to me and I think it's been hard for them to like land on one one consistent like through line arc for the whole season which makes sense right they had such a really strong one for the first season and not only has that ended in like a very clear way um but also like we're in the middle of a pandemic and (laughs) the world has gone completely nuts since uh season one and just trying to fit everything in Um, Yeah, like, most shows usually film everything straight through, like, for, like, four or five months, and, like, almost all shows that I've seen have been taking, like, really long breaks in between. Yeah, and usually, like, if there's a hiatus, it's not, 
it's not a height. It is still like Fillmore the way that this has been. Yeah. But I also think like the show has just been complicated in season two by how nonlinear grief is, right? Like Zoe's grieving mm-hmm. and that is an all over the place process. And so the show has been a little all over the place in, in certain ways in this season. And also, like, I think Zoe is the center of the show, but she's not the whole show. And that has yeah. been more apparent this season, which is generally good, but like, it does make it hard to sort of bring everything together in a super tight, coherent narrative. I feel like it's also really hard. COVID has made it consistently really hard because, like, it's something that you notice. It's like you have missing characters who would not normally be missing for, like, yeah. a couple episodes. Whereas, like, normally... Yeah, like, like, where was Maggie regular- today? <laughs> They're in her house and we don't see Maggie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or... Um- Emily. Emily, yeah. I was about to say Alice and I was like, no, that's her real name. That's her real name. That's the actress, yeah. Yeah, it's just been really weird because it's like, exactly, like her family members have been kind of missing here and there. And then we had that whole stretch of time where like Leaf and Tobin were like gone too. So it's just been weird. And just to be completely fair, like writing for TV is a job. And I don't know how everyone else is feeling about their jobs in COVID. But I feel like everyone I know is at least a little bit all over the place with their all of their lives and their work lives included. Yeah. So like, you know, I, I, it's a weird time. We will get a little bit of an inkling next week of like where they're at in their own timeline because it's supposed yeah. to be Zoe's birthday. So that means it's going to be either de- December or January, depending on what Capricorn she is. Oh yeah. Well, and I think there was something that made me think it was, oh, so uh, I think that the Leodons were sort of loosely based on the Leonid meteor shower, um, okay. which has, I'll, I'll get into that later, but like that occurs in November. So I, I think it'll probably be, she's a December baby would be my guess. Okay. But yeah, I, despite all of those like caveats about the season as a whole, I think this episode really did all of the things that I've been looking for. Like it cohered really well. It felt like it did a good job of seeing like doing things from Zoe's perspective but in a way where it's not like just in her perspective yeah um and yeah like it felt it just felt like the ensemble worked together better than it has um for a lot of the season I did feel like it was kind of lacking in heart songs like I felt like there wasn't really too much there There were only three heart songs and then there were two other songs but they weren't heart songs but um yeah we'll get to that so deep dive yeah Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Four main arcs. One, Zoe's attempts to recreate a childhood memory with her father, with this whole meteor shower thing. Two, the grand opening of Maximo's and potential new love interests for both Mo and Max. Uh, Three, Zoe helping Leaf get back in the dating game. And four, David joining Aiden's band. So we'll just start at the top. What'd you think? What'd you think of the meteor shower I thought it was really sweet, but I like, I mean, it was like one of those things where I immediately, I was like, this isn't going to work. Like you can't, you just can't recreate memories like that. I was just like immediately like, oh no, girl. <laughs> well, and especially, so especially like as soon as David says he can't go, you're like, okay, this is not even like you're put, pinning so such high hopes on this. Like you have such big expectations and there's no way this is going to work yeah. out. And then asking Mackenzie, who, like, she's never had a conversation with. Uh-huh. Like, ever. <laughs> I do love, though, that, like, Tobin and Leaf were, well, I mean, Leaf especially was, like, super dorky into it. And then, like, Tobin gets there and he's like, I understand now. <laughs> I know. He's like, I bought a telescope this morning. <laughs> um, 
this was like one of those moments where it felt like Zoe's was mining my memories, which I think honestly just makes me feel like, okay, every father-daughter goes and watches meteor showers together. Not me! Oh, well. Deadbeat dad. Every functional (laughs) father-daughter relationship. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so my dad and I used to watch the Perseids together, which are in August. And since we lived in LA, that usually meant like doing it on some like camping vacation. So we went to Yosemite most years. And we also had like this annual trip that we'd take with a bunch of other families to Joshua Tree, which I remember being like a Mother's Day trip, but I don't ever remember going with my mom. So that's like a whole different thing. I've never been to Joshua Tree, even though I hear it's absolutely beautiful, but I hate the desert. So I don't know if I believe that. (laughs) And I've literally never seen a meteor shower. Oh, well, we gotta, we gotta fix that at some point um i can i can have a moment where it'll be like uh you having the moment is my moment i'll say that to you yes (laughs) um but yeah like we had you know i did a bunch of these kinds of things with my dad and somebody always brought a telescope um and those memories i think they just are really vivid right and Mm -hmm. i don't know how much of that is just because you're a kid and how much of it is because like when i was a kid there weren't like internet like distractions so like you went to the desert you had no cell phones it was just like you and a bunch of people and the only thing to do was look at the stars i mean not that your cell phone would work up there but your your cell phone (laughs) works in in well in parts of joshua tree and yosemite but like you know i think the the point is that right like you're out in nature in an environment where you really are sort of forced to be present Mm-hmm. Um, and so you do get that like really vivid memory because that's that's all that's there when you're there. You're not really thinking about anything else. So I get why Zoe would want to recreate it and why she'd feel like that would like make her bring her closer to Mitch, who is no longer alive. But I also think the message of the episode is exactly right. And this is what you were saying too, right? Like you you can't recreate those memories, not the way that they were. Like they're special for what they were in that moment. Mm-hmm. And this moment is a different one. Yeah. I also couldn't help but think, I was like, wow, she's really going to stick herself in a car stuck with a Tobin and Leaf <laughs> on the way to Petaluma. That's a long drive. San Francisco to Petaluma is a long drive. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she really didn't want to, but she also didn't want to be alone. <laughs> yeah, but it was like there were so many moments where I was like, just tell them why you want to go. She doesn't do that, though. <laughs> I know, and I get it. Like, I get her saying, like, she's tired of being, like, feeling like a burden mm-hmm. to people. But, like, I'm like, you don't have to, like, over-explain yourself. Like, just be like, hey, like, I just, like, you know, like, really wanted to have this special moment because I had a moment with my dad. And then they would probably just be like, oh, okay. Yeah. And not be such dicks. <laughs> um, I do really like, though, that it, it, like, in this weird way, brought her closer to Tobin and Leaf because... Yeah, and I noticed that she's just, like, she's starting to just have more open relationships with her coworkers in general. Like, like I feel like, you know, Leaf wouldn't have opened up to her so easily last season yeah. or even yeah. earlier in this season. And then Tobin is consistently opening up to her now after the last episode yeah yeah so it's really nice to see like her build relationships with others to see her give a little bit of her heart yes (laughs) (laughs) took a second (laughs) um i think um the other thing that i do that i sort of glibly mentioned before but it it is interesting this idea of like watching you have the moment is the moment for me like the way Mm -hmm. that 
Zoe ends up actually feeling closer to her father is when she she kind of takes on his role, right? This role yeah. of facilitating this experience for the other people in her life. And I think that gets at the crux of this episode, right? Like the the giving back or paying it forward or just like creating space for other people can be a way of of giving to yourself, can be a way of like strengthening your bonds and um Feeling like you, sorry, Dobby just entered the frame. That's uh, Danny's cat. Um, it, it can be a way of like strengthening your bonds with the people who are supporting you. As you sort of move through things that are really, really hard, right? It, it can make you feel less like a burden if you are giving back in some way. If you are, if, if it's not just about the, the sort of grief porn of it, but it's about if, if you take as, as support having experiences that make you feel good together. Yeah. And I also like just kind of like even just how real life adult like the characters are like Mo being like, well, if it really like means that much to you, like Mm -hmm. it's okay if you don't stay the whole time at our opening, like you're not obligated to be here the whole time. Yeah, which I mean, I think is like, that's a very real thing. People will just come and say hi, and that's totally fine most of the time. Even when it's a big event, you're still there. You're still part of it. Yeah, because it's not like they're going to be able to sit there and like talk to Zoe the entire no. time anyways. It's like you're just going to be chilling there in the corner. I always feel that way about weddings because like you're there to be part of it and to like bear witness. I've only stayed like the whole time at weddings that I was like somehow a part of. Yeah. But yeah, I did like that sentiment of like taking your grief and turning it into a way to to really create community and and kind of make the love that you need out of right you're not drawing it out of any anybody you're just creating it you're generating it in that space together yeah it was so sweet just like all of seeing all of them together yeah that moment yeah and like some of them are close and some of them aren't and i think there's i think there's something really beautiful about that too mm-hmm. so were there other things that you wanted to talk about on Zoe's on this this part of Zoe's arc? I don't think so. I think we covered it. Yeah, and I think it leads nicely into Leaf's arc because right like that's where Zoe discovers that that Leaf is going through this thing and and draws that arc out. Yeah. This is I think a pretty pure example of Zoe paying it forward, which she says, right? Like she says everybody has supported me and now I'm supporting you of all people, which is a mm-hmm. great line. Um She's not really close to Leaf at all. They never hang out except at work. Zoe is reluctant to bring him and Tobin into her moment, though, of course, she is too Zoe to say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also somebody who, because of her powers especially, can't just, like, let somebody suffer. So she sees that he's agonizing over this girl, learns that it's part of a, a bigger set of issues for him, better set of insecurities, and she's like, okay, I need to, I need to help you. And when it doesn't work out as she planned, she she chooses to be there for him, even though that means yeah. missing out on something important to her. So I, I really think that, like, these are very closely tied together. But I also think she back up and take a broader view and just ask, like, what did you think of the Leaf plotline? And especially, like, were you surprised by how insecure he was romantically? I wasn't. Mostly because, like, he seems like someone who hides how insecure he is. Mm consistently like it everything with him seems like a front just from how he's behaved the last like season and a half like my little virgo um, baby 
So, like, yeah, I wasn't really surprised. Also, like, they mentioned a few times, like, he had been hit pretty hard with the whole Joan thing. And mm-hmm. sometimes when you go through something like that, it's, it is hard to, to get back out there. I also thought it was really funny how he's like, I don't know what, like, your superpower is, but I want it. <laughs> yes. And then she was like, you <laughs> can like, have you do not. it. <laughs> no, she was like, you can have it. And I, like, in my mind, it popped in. I was just like, oh, my God, it would actually be really, really funny if for one episode someone else had the power. Yeah, like a weird body swap kind of situation. Like, it's yeah. not a body swap. It's a Yeah, like, she could actually swap. give it to someone for, like, yeah. a day. It would yeah. be hilarious. But, like, who would get it? Yeah, I'm trying to think about this. So... In terms I feel of, like it would be interesting for it to be Simon since he doesn't know she has it. Oh, yeah. Like, maybe he comes to her and he's like, oh, shit, this thing started happening to me. You're going to think I'm crazy. Yeah. Like, I feel like that would be a really interesting way for, like, them to, like, bring that up and, like, open that up to, like, oh, like, I do know what that's like because I've been dealing with that for the last year. Yeah. I think the other way, probably the way that they'd be more likely to do it Though I agree with you, I think the Simon one would be more interesting, would be to give it to Max, since he did all that complaining about how, like, one-sided their relationship was when they were in a relationship, right? Like, give it to Max, let him see, let him see what it's like. (laughs) Yeah, it would either Max or Simon would be, like, the perfect choice. Yeah. Because, like, obviously, like, it wouldn't really be that crazy for for Mo. I think he would enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, but I think he'd be pissed if somebody else got it and he didn't. Yeah, he'd be like, what the fuck? Back to the leaf part, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back to actually talking about leaf. I I liked seeing that because, I mean, like, it was just really real. Like, everything is, yeah. is very, like, something that could actually happen. Like, people use people all the time to, to, you know, get what they want. And I just, like, I felt so bad because it's like, yeah, leaf's kind of a dick, but, like, he seems like genuinely like a good guy at the end of the day. And it's like you yeah. kind of want to see him win a little bit. Plus, I mean, obviously she was really yeah. pretty. so But shallow. Yeah, yeah. So tell me more. What did you think about Kaya? Was she – do you think it was like wrong of her to approach Leaf in that way? Do you think she was even using him or, or do you think he just like misinterpreted her interest? I think she was using him. I feel like she wouldn't try that hard to get back in touch with him mm-hmm. if she wasn't. Like, I mean, like, I feel like having those intentions isn't necessarily make you a bad person. Yeah. But, like, not being upfront about it and, like, kind of making it seem like you're interested in someone romantically, I feel like is pretty fucked up. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I've never <laughs> I've never been in a position where anyone would use me for anything like that. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that would feel. And I don't think I would like it. No, I mean, and I mean, I do think especially if it's in a romantic situation, it just that mismatch of expectations is always hard. Regardless of where it comes from, it, it's just a hard thing to deal with if you go in thinking that your your interactions with somebody mean one thing and they don't. But yeah, I I would be interested. I don't know. I, she's probably just going to be a throwaway character, but it would be interested. It would be interesting if she turned out not to be. Yeah, that would be interesting if, like, maybe she kind of, like, turned it around and been like, oh, like, you actually are a great guy, but. Yeah. It's just I mean, not what I was looking for. He's not her type. He's not her type. <laughs> yeah. She did seem shallow. Yeah. I also didn't like that she was, <laughs> like, a dumb little irritation, but, like, she's talking to Zoe, who she thinks is the waiter, mm-hmm. and, like, just keeps looking at her phone constantly. It's like, okay, you're, you're talking to another human being. You think this is a service person, so I am interpreting this as you treat service people like shit. 
Absolutely. But, like, also, like, why would a service person just, like, randomly come up and, like, start asking you about this date you're on? Like, uh, I've, that's literally never happened to me. So, <laughs> and does she look like she, she's not even close to being dressed like any of the other wait staff there? That's so true. She's clearly yeah. not very perceptive. And it's just kind of funny that, like, immediately she's like, oh, like, oh my God, that's your boss. And how, did she, like, not recognize that that was the person she talked to before? I think she did, because it seemed like this, like, recognition. I, I would. I'm just like, um, I wouldn't. I'd feel like that person like she burned. already heard you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like she already heard how you wanted to, like, just, you're just using him to, like, work there. Like, yeah. But I, I felt like there was, like, a sense of recognition there, for sure. Yeah. One thing I did like about this plot line is it it just added a little more insight into the friendship between Leaf and Tobin. Like, they, they both struggle with women in different ways. And the first time Leaf smiles after after he, like, finds out that Kaya's using him is when Tobin cracks a joke about his own failures with women. Because, like, they're, they're bros, but they can also be vulnerable around each other. And so I thought that was, like, a really sweet moment. I did realize, though, that, like... Like, when Leaf talks to Zoe about it, though, like, she's, like, he's, like, hush, hush, like, let's walk away. Like, oh yeah, I don't want Tobin to hear this. <laughs> so, like, he's always keeping Tobin, though, like, at some kind of arm's length, I feel like, when it comes to things, like, that are emotional for him. So I'm definitely curious about that. But, like, obviously Tobin, like, knows things since he knows how hard it hit, yeah. like, Leaf before. So it's kind of, like, I'm curious about that. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he thought Tobin would be would like think he was making a bad decision and he didn't want to be talked out of it. Yeah, maybe. Well, I think that takes care of 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 non singing related leaf things. Um, so let's mm-hmm. take up the David and Aiden plot next. Uh, first, I just have to say how happy I am to see that. Like, we're gonna get to keep Aiden. That seems pretty clear now. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I, I know you disagree with this. I know you interpreted things differently in this episode, but. I also appreciate that it, it doesn't look like he's going to have to become Zoe's love interest for him to stay in the show. I was so surprised to see him. Like, I was just, like, not expecting it at all. I figured his arc was done because, like, he wasn't in the last episode that we watched. And I was just like, okay, I guess that story is over with. And then when we saw him again, I was like, oh, my God, he's, he's back. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you – I loved his puppy eyes um, when David is, like, asking to be part of the band and <laughs> – he doesn't know what to tell him. Did you see that? Where he's just like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah. I think he's such a cutie. Like, he's <laughs> definitely, like, just, like, that stoner kid. But I'm just like, yeah. I don't know. I think he's a little cutie. Um, I'm very curious as to, like, how much younger than Zoe he is. I want to say he's probably, like, he's obviously can drink. So he's over the age of 21. I think he's, like, 21, but- 22. I think he just, because remember they made that comment about how he was abroad for college or whatever? I think he's mm-hmm. maybe just graduated. So he's, yeah, 21, 22. Yeah, but he could have, like, taken a while to actually, like, graduate. Well. Because a lot of people do these days. And, you know, especially if your hobbies involve, you know. And it also seems like he did a lot of like traveling in general. That's true. From, like what he was talking about. So I'm I'm I want to say he's probably like 23, 24, but not <laughs> he couldn't be. Older yeah, he's not that. in his thirties like the rest of the. Definitely world. not. Definitely not. But I do have to for the like band part itself. So it did surprise me a little to hear that like David wanted to be in a band or that he'd been in a band before. I feel like we haven't really gotten any indication that music has been a part of big part of his life. Yeah, it just felt really, like, kind of 
cliche-ish yes, almost. It was such, like, that whole, like, middle-aged man slash dad joining a band thing. Oh, it's such a trope. Do you remember? Such a midlife crisis. Do you remember when the Gilmore Girls um, did the, like, band audition storyline with Sebastian Bach? Dude, that, like, <laughs> was wild. I, like, so I watched Gilmore Girls back when it came out. Yeah. I had no idea who he was. <laughs> I didn't None. either, but Lanier told me when I did a rewatch. None. I had point. zero idea. And then, like, with, like, one of the times I was rewatching it, like, probably, like, ten years ago at this point, I, like, was just, like, Googling. And then I was just like, holy shit, this guy's famous? <laughs> like, really famous. But yeah, that storyline is from like 2005, 2007, something like that. Before that, I think it was like probably like 2004. Yeah. So like I always think of that as the like typical, you know, old dude joining a band with younger people. And you're right. Like the the midlife crisis dad becoming like joining a band is also a big trope. So it was like a little odd to me. Yeah. And like you said, like I don't think he's ever mentioned anything about music so it was kind of out of left field for sure i do think though he 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 needed to get a life outside of being a dad because uh also though like i feel like emily's not gonna like this oh yeah because she's so straight laced about everything yeah she's gonna be like you quit your job (laughs) you joined a band with a a bunch of stoner kids (laughs) i don't know maybe you know maybe she finds it sexy you never know maybe Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he was in the band when they met. <laughs> Maybe. I just, like, cracked up when he was like, oh, yeah, they, like, carried, Sam Goody carried our record for, like, a minute. And I was like, oh, my God, Sam Goody. Uh. <laughs> I do feel like, though, David needed to get a life in some way because you can't teach your baby tort law. It's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah, no. But also, though, like, I feel like his baby's a little young for him to successfully be in the band. That's true. I going to go. Earplugs. Baby earplugs. <laughs> Lots of other people watching your baby. Hmm, that's true. Um, so last arc, unless you had anything more, do you have any swooning over Aiden that you haven't done that you need to do? I mean, <laughs> he's so cute. <laughs> I hate, like, how cute, like, he is. And, like, because, like, I, like, this, this actor, he's, like, 22, 23 years old. And I'm just like, oh, my God, he's so young. I don't know, he's precious. <laughs> Um, I've seen him in, like, other things, too, though. Like, he was just in that Ginny and Georgia show that I binged. I haven't seen that yet. Like, two months ago. I loved it. There's a lot of controversial shit out there about it, but to each Good their own. No, I enjoyed it. I liked it because it's, like, it really got into a lot of stuff about, like, being biracial, so I found that really mm. interesting personally. And then the mother reminded me a lot of my own mother in some ways. So some of it was kind of harder for me, like, once it got into the nitty-gritty, yeah. but I, like, really liked it at the same time. Because I like, I don't know, I like torturing myself, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yes, I think he's very cute. He's a He's a golden retriever in human form. Maybe more like he even has the like hair. Chocolate- no, he's more like a chocolate lab. Oily? <laughs> what? Chocolate labs aren't. Yeah, they are. They're water dogs. Their skin is super. He's cute though. Uh, we'll leave it at that. He's very cute. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so the last arc then is the restaurant opening. I kind of feel like I saved the best for last, even though I obviously loved Zoe's main arc as well. 
And the first thing I have to say is, holy shit, the chemistry between Mo and the fire, fire marshal was next level. Like, instantly, you're like, oh, they're going to bang. Yeah. There was just so much there. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I loved it because he was, like, just as dramatic as Mo, but just, like, in a completely different way. Oh, yeah. Way. Like, I, I feel like he was earth sign dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Mo's fire sign. Yes, absolutely. I just, I love that they clearly, they had so much chemistry, but I also really love that, like, clearly Mo thought he was going to be able to flirt his way out of all those fire code violations. He so expected that to work, and it did not work. Even Max was like, can we, like, work this out somehow? (laughs) No. But I I feel like, realistically, there's no way they would have been able to fix all those violations in, like, a day and a half. No, no. I do like what you said about Max, though. Max is always, Max always thinks that, he's going to, like, tempt tempt the gays. And it's like, no, Max, you're not their type. Nope. So Max also gets a new love interest this episode. What do you think of Rose? I'm very biased when it comes to Rose because I love the actress who plays her, Katie Finley. I've adored her for years. So I was She's very amazing. excited to hear when she joined the cast, even though it was just a couple weeks ago that we found this out. I know that a lot of people are, like, not happy about this. Like, him all of a sudden getting another, not another, but, like, a love interest, another love interest being introduced this season. And it's definitely throwing people for a loop. Um, and very clearly in this episode, they're also bringing back in the, the Simon aspect. So, I mean, like, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on there, love interest-wise. But, like, I... I mean, we haven't really found out, like, enough about her to, like, really make a judgment call on her character it also felt really tropey, the whole, like, someone you knew when you were, like, a teenager coming back in your life. Um, Though that seems like Max thi- Max's thing, right? Like, he has to... He- he's got a little demisexual vibe going on. He needs to be friends with somebody first. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. He, like, needs to just, like, have some kind of connection with the person. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cute i thought it was really funny how she's basically very very forward of like how much she used to be into him um i feel like that's something i would say (laughs) although all the people that i liked at that age did not turn out great so she got lucky there (laughs) i will say like all the love triangle or like love hexagon pentagram whatever it is stuff at this point Mm -hmm. it it does irritate me a little bit but i also think it it makes a lot of sense for it to come back in this episode because because kind of like i was saying earlier right like zoe seems to be figuring out finally like how to how to move past her grief so it's not just like this all-consuming thing in her life and she can have a life um without having to put everything on pause so of course right like if she is going to be able to have a life again and can think about romance, well, her, the person who would be the obvious choice, her relationship with them has to be complicated in some way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you wouldn't have drama, right? Exactly. Like, of course, like, you know, he's like she's going to get jealous. Like, there's no yeah. way she's not going yeah. to get jealous of, of Rose. Especially because it's like, you could tell, like, there's feelings already established like, they know each other, so it's, like, that's really, like, 
an actual like form of competition i feel like yeah for her affections because it's like it's someone he already knows so it's like yeah it's gonna be interesting that's for sure i will say though i think i'm never gonna for- fully forgive austin winsberg for like saying in all those interviews oh love love triangles are juvenile of course we're gonna resolve them and then like going back to love triangles uh-uh, it does bullshit. not surprise me just how how long I've been reading shit like that in the like fucking business for people like it, like this misdirection. I mean, look how long Benedict Cumberbatch said he wasn't playing con for. Just find a way to talk about it without lying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But yeah, I'm like I'm really interested to see where that goes. Like I mm-hmm. I don't the thing is is like I don't mind love triangles. I did like the fact that I felt like they weren't going to have one. Yeah. Um but it still doesn't feel like your traditional love triangle because she hasn't like been like trying to like Yeah, she's not just like bouncing back and forth between guys. She like had that for a moment. She settled on a guy and then she was like, "Oh, I need to take time for me." Yeah, and like a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, like she's going to hook up with Aiden. She never did. Mm-hmm. I personally do think Aiden is in to her. I know, like you said on Don't my notes, agree. you're like, I didn't see that. It's just like, okay, it's the little things about his, like, his energy towards her. Like the fact that he is just like, oh, yeah, like I saw your car outside and I had to pop by and see if you want to watch me practice. Like, that's, it just felt pointed. I just don't think he does anything pointed, right? Like, this is what I feel like. I feel like he's, like, into her, but, like, he's not into her into, like, a point where he's gonna, like, try and put too much energy into it. But I don't think, like, she reciprocates. Like, she probably thinks he's cute, but, like, it's probably never gonna happen because, like, she he is definitely quite a bit younger than her. And, you know, she's got a lot going on. Hey, wait. Didn't we say that we think he's... Oh, no, you think he's an Aquarius. Okay. I thought Aries for a second. I was like, oh, it's a May-December romance for real. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, I definitely, yeah. He's he's either an Aquarius or a Sagittarius, but I really I really think he's an Aquarius. Oh yeah, he's he's a weirdo. All right, so we can get through this plot line without mentioning one of both of our favorite things about this episode, which is Drunk Simon. Scale of one to ten, how much did you love Drunk Simon? Ten. Easy. I I mean, I I love seeing characters drunk in general. Like, if you don't see them like that very often, because it's always hilarious. So it reminded me a lot of, like, how I am when I'm drunk, though. You're you're a happy drunk. Yeah, I am a happy drunk. (laughs) I laugh a lot. Yeah, he was was a real cutie. (laughs) He's come a long way since season one. I just keep thinking of that first episode where he's all broody and everything. It's like, oh, you're, you're just, like, a happy dude now. Which is kind of a callback to how they were like, oh, man, he's like such a happy dude in the very first episode but then you find oh, out yeah he's got a lot of shit going on it is interesting like he's definitely getting more over everything but he clearly is still into zoe oh yeah that was abundantly clear in this episode uh, like yeah. you're reading between lines that i'm just not sure exist for um for aiden but there's no lines to read between <laughs> how Simon was acting towards Zoe. He was just straight up like, you're hot, I like you! And she was just kind of like, like, she wasn't, like, completely, like, pushing him away, but, like, she was just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, no. That'll be interesting, like, the next episode, the come down off of that. Well, and especially depending on what happens with Max and Rose. Yeah. What I don't want her to do 
if, if she feels like she needs to run into another man's arms after after that, it, I would much rather it's Aiden than Simon. Which, you know, maybe it will happen. It's just her birthday party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All of the men in her life will be in one room. <laughs> Dangerous. But, like... I do like, though, like, that there hasn't been any kind of, like, rivalry between, yeah. like, Yeah, they Max sit in the back Simon seat together, like, joking. And yeah. It was nice. Like, I like it. And I like seeing that, like, her relationship has not deteriorated with either of them and they're in a really good spot. Yeah. All right. Well, that mostly covers what I had for the episode. Anything else you want to mention before we move to Heart Songs? No, I think we covered it. Wait, did you what? What did you think about some of these storylines? I feel like you didn't have much. I mean, I liked them. I like I said, I thought this was just like a really great episode overall. Um, I. But what about like Rose? Like you didn't say anything about her. Oh, I like her. I mean, I think she's sweet. But it's like you said, like we don't really we don't really know her. Um, I do like that she's not in tech because I feel like they one they just need more people who are not in tech in in this storyline. But I feel like. Uh, there's an intellectual and artistic side to to Max that hopefully we'll get to explore a little bit more through their relationship. Also, I mean, clearly, like, there's a deadline on their relationship if they do get together, considering... Well, if she moves back... You can't really have that much of an art career in San Francisco as opposed to New York. Like, that would be a stupid move. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. there's enough museums that you could do it. Uh, and she's a curator, right? Like, so it's the museum. It's not the city. That's true. She can go anywhere and bring art from anywhere. Yeah. But she'd probably be traveling a lot. Yeah. So I, I I like Rose. I think she's very sweet. She also has, like, big puppy eyes. I do have one comment. I love how, like, the two characters that everyone wants to be gay. Oh, yeah. They're trying to push together. This is Tobin Mackenzie, and Mackenzie and Tobin. <laughs> yeah. I just, I texted you, I remember, right before we hopped on, I was like, my headcanon, though, is Mackenzie and Rose. That seems like a good fit. That would be an amazing endgame. Like, I would be down for that. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, obviously, like, obviously, like, I at the end of the day, like, I don't want, I don't want Zoe and Max not to end up together. Like, that's my endgame. So if we can pair everyone else off in these other happy relationships, I would be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just like a nice little game of Tetris. Relationship Tetris. <laughs> and on that note. Heart songs. <laughs> heart songs. Um, okay, so there were only three heart songs in this episode, but there were two, like, in the real world songs as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to sort of mix them together in order they were. Okay, and just to s- preface this up front, the lineage on some of these songs, the, like, sourcing is wild. So the first one was Drift Away, which was written by Mentor Williams for John Henry Kurtz, popularized by Dobie Gray and sung by David. The second one was Tainted Love, which um, everyone knows, right, popularized by Soft Cell, but written by Ed Cobb and originally recorded by Gloria Jones and sung in this episode by Leaf. Then there's Let's Get Loud, which was written by Gloria Estefan and Kike Satander, I think is his name. Um, And originally, like, Gloria Estefan wrote it for herself, but then she was like, ah, this seems a little more like J-Lo stuff, so she gave it to Mm -hmm. J-Lo. And then it's sung by Mo, Max, and the restaurant staff. And I thought it was really interesting. I didn't even think about this until Lanier brought it up, but, right, like, the fact that those three songs, which are the heart songs, all have this kind of, like, they're all, if not covers, they're all sort of, like, by one artist and then popularized by another artist. 
Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting in the context of this episode where Zoe's trying to recreate a memory because it's kind of like that's kind of a thing that is I don't think it was intentional, but it, it could have been almost right. Like it's kind of there's kind of a like resonance between the sort of way that these songs were written and then performed and that theme. So then the two that are in the real world are also uncomplicated. Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles and Give a Little Bit by Supertramp. And Watermelon Sugar is sung by Aiden and Give a Little Bit sung by everyone in the car. So Zoe, Leaf, Max, and Simon. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Starting with favorites, which heart song did you run to this week? Well, my favorite heart song was Tainted Love. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so good. I mean, they always give Leaf that she's like, fucking amazing like epic song that's because he can sing (laughs) i mean everyone can i mean but (laughs) (laughs) but oh man i i love that song i've always really really liked that song and there's some really good covers of it in general um but like he sang the fuck out of that song Mm -hmm. but other than that i loved the watermelon sugar by aiden I just like that song's really good anyway. It's a really good song. Did you see the but, SNL like, performance? I did not. It was good. I recommend checking it out. I will have to check it out. Um but yeah, like I that's like when when you have really good songs like that, like that are even though it's being performed in the world, like I kind of wish that they would release those songs, like that would be nice. I also <laughs> wish they would release a full versions of the songs, kind of like how Glee used to do. Yeah, yeah. Not just like the bit that was you know, in the episode. Yeah, I kind of wonder why they don't. Or maybe they do, and I just haven't... They don't. Yeah. Well, they should. They should. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you about both of those. I really um, I really liked both of those. Watermelon Sugar, I feel like, is following me around now. Like, I, I hadn't heard that song, and it was a question for our Trivia League. And then, uh, like, Linear got it right and I got it wrong. And then, like, the next day we saw it on an old episode of The Voice and then it was like everywhere. So I feel like I've seen I've seen that song performed on TV, like in TV contexts. Cause I think somebody just did it for um Mass Singer too, maybe, or something like that. Probably. It's it's been <laughs> following me around. Which is um, hilarious, because do you know what that song's about? Well, <laughs> which which about do you mean? <laughs> do you mean what it was inspired <laughs> by or do you mean what it was you know <laughs> like what he's talking about in the yes <laughs> yes okay i don't think we're gonna i'm not gonna say it on air but i just wanted to make sure you knew what google it everybody <laughs> just google it yeah uh that's always yeah there's a i mean it's it's yes <laughs> we'll we'll leave it at that um, <laughs> but yeah, that song is like everywhere right now. Um, I think there was a Grammy performance of it too. Probably. I mean, Harry Styles is like so talented. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is like, I never would have known that. Cause like I could give a shit less about One Direction. And so like, I was really hesitant to listen to any of their like solo stuff. And like, he is super talented though. And I like, I yeah, mean, like, and I love really Lynch. interesting, right? Like yeah. it's not, it, it's not basic pop right yeah it's not basic pop like he's got a little bit of everything going on i love what he's doing for like just like style and like you know men like he's normalizing yeah you know what he's doing he's great he's not he's just very fluid person yeah very much so would it surprise you at all to know that he's an aquarius (laughs) no (laughs) um yeah so i just found it really interesting talking about like the the genre stuff 
in the Wikipedia article, it says, Watermelon Sugar is a rock, funk, pop, and indie pop song with 1970s and soul elements. Yeah. And it is, right? It's like, he much writes right. this really interesting shit. And it's, uh, it's got a lot of different influences, and you can hear it all there. And later it says, has a simple melody reminiscent of jazz. Like, jazz. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but the other songs in here. So we talked about Watermelon Sugar, uh, Tainted Love. Yeah, they, I feel like it's also, like, Tainted Love is also such an interesting song because that soft cell color cover is so ubiquitous that, like, all you have to hear is, bah, bah, and you know what's coming. <laughs> Does it sound differently, like, before that? Like, I've before never heard soft it. I don't than... actually know. I mean, I I should listen to the Gloria Jones one sometime yeah i've like literally never heard anything other than that one and i'm gonna and another cover by someone i refuse to mention on this podcast (laughs) tainted love is a very genre bending song as well like yeah it's got a lot of everything and like i i mean the covers that i know of it like more than like the other versions is like these like really like hard rock versions of it that it like really works for that too. And the soft cell one is like synth pop, but in all of them, right? Like it's it's that like driving baseline, or well, it's a synth line, I think, in in soft cell in the soft cell version. But like that bump, 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 right? Like that's what sort of keeps it driving. And you're right, that is really adaptable to a lot of different genres. But Leaf kills it. Yep. I also just love him like <laughs> spreading himself out against the rocks in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> I like his little like bump bump like yes. when it starts. Yes, <laughs> you know that would be him if he were singing in karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so drift away. We should talk about that one. So that's the one that David sings at the beginning. What did you think about it? It was nice. It was pleasant. There wasn't anything crazy or spectacular about it, but it was nice. It was a nice song. I mean, it's a good song in general. So I think he like sang it really well. What about you? Yeah, I agree. And I was thinking about this and then, like, the one that he had in the courtroom a couple episodes ago. Right, obviously this is playing out in the actual plot line of him, like, leaving his job to be a full-time father and then, like, joining a band or whatever. But I do feel Mm -hmm. like he is struggling a little bit to figure out, like, what his priorities are now and who he wants to be. Like, Mitch's death was a shock to his system and we're seeing that play out in this sort of aimlessness. Yeah, yeah. He's probably starting to be like, oh, was this, like, the right call to, like, quit my job? I'm getting kind of bored and a little bit stir-crazy. Like, man, like, my – when I was in quarantine for a while, it was so weird, like, to just, like, not work. It's so weird. Like, it's something that you, like, really, like, have to – takes a while to get used to. Yeah. And I think, like, his identity has been very tied to his work up until now. So I think that's probably a weird thing for him too. Yeah. That's honestly all I have to say about that song. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was pleasant. <laughs> um, let's get loud. That was the one that they sang at the restaurant, the, the JLo slash Gloria Estefan song. Um, I really thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, I love it. It was really big, fun. Like, the big ensemble, like, restaurant numbers that they had in the last couple episodes were also just, like, fantastic. And so, yeah, I just really enjoy being able to – all those numbers where you have more people in on them. Yeah, and it was so fun to finally actually hear Mo and mm. and Max have a number together that was, like, an actual number. Yeah, like a proper duet. Yeah, and hearing their, their beautiful voices mingle together. Yeah, you're saying – I think you texted to me that – 
uh, they were meant to duet together. <laughs> yeah, their voices were meant to be together. <laughs> Very beautiful. And just nice for them to have those like positive moments because they've they've had yeah. been, their relationship has been so fraught for like the entire season. Yeah, it's so nice that they're like kind of past that for now, like having their little individual issues with each other. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, which is also the like in the world song, was "Give a Little Bit" by Supertramp, and I just, uh, it was such a wonderful moment. And right, like start in the car, and then you get like a little bit of a montage over it. But it was just really sweet, and I like, I don't know, I'm a sucker for like people singing in cars. <laughs> I thought it was really sweet too, and I don't know, like it was just like a little bit of like a fun song for for them to all sing together, and like they all got in on it too, and like slowly. Yeah. Um, and it was also funny how, like, I think that's when Max gets the, like, text, too, from, like, Rose. Oh, yeah, being, yeah. Like, oh, like, <laughs> this is what you used to look like. Such a dorky <laughs> little picture of him. I also felt like you were talking earlier about how there are fewer heart songs in this episode. And I kind of wondered if that was intentional because this is an episode where Zoe is, like, getting more back into her real life. And mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if having more songs that are in the real world is kind of part of that too right like she is getting more grounded in her real life and more and like less in her head and so yeah the, the music is coming out of her head and into the world yeah that that would definitely make sense i feel like she's a little less like needing to rely on like songs to to have relationships and stuff too yeah it's less of a it's less of a crutch she knows how to her big revelation isn't about somebody else in this episode it's about her right it's about yeah how she needs to communicate and engage with the people in her life yeah like she needs to find a balance mm-hmm. and she needs to give a little bit of her love to someone just a little bit just a little bit okay <laughs> um <laughs> that's all i have for heart songs anything else or should we move on to final thoughts i think we're good i think we're good okay you can tell we're a little out of practice <laughs> it's that's <laughs> what it is. Um, all right. Final thoughts. I think I've said most of this already, but I, I really loved this episode. It struck all the right chords with me, and I swear to God, no pun intended, I wrote that down, and then I was like, oh, that's a pun. Oops. But yeah, it just had a perfect balance of comedy and drama, and I always love when, like, it was... I think um, I emailed Henry Myers uh, after he, like, tweeted something about the Queen's Gambit. <laughs> I emailed him, and I was like... It was about friendship all along. And that's just like the vibe I'm looking for in TV in general. It was about friendship all along. It was uplifting. And it was like, it felt like a warm hug. So that's how I felt about it too. I still haven't seen that show. You're like the only person in the world at this point who hasn't seen it. Oh, I know. I know. (laughs) So I had to be in very specific moods to get into certain shows. So like... I just, like, haven't done it yet. I think Aaron just finished it not that long ago, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, I've been into a lot of other stuff, though, that has been canceled, and I'm sitting there (laughs) getting into shows that have been canceled, so that's fun. Okay, but back to this show, which (laughs) hopefully will not be canceled. My God. Well, they did win this poll that they were on. It was, like, TV Line did a poll recently of, like, what bubble show do do fans think should be saved, and that, like, won, so. Good. But yeah, what, what about you? What are your, your final thoughts on this episode? I don't know. I just, like, I thought it was so cute and sweet. It was just, like, a, it was a very, like, you know, like you said, like, a heartwarming episode. Yeah. It just felt like everyone was so soft and lovely. I don't know. I just, like, 
I think we're at a really good point in the season. Like everything's yeah. kind of like coming together again just to fall apart again because you know it will. Because <laughs> you know it will. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to be this next episode. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> Give me this moment. I had 45 minutes of bliss. <laughs> on that note, since we're over 45 minutes on this podcast, I think that is a wrap on 207. Listeners, thanks for joining us. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to leave us a nice little five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just really helps people find the show. And as always, we're on Twitter and Instagram at rextrapod. See you next week for episode 208. Bye. Bye.